Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Will Graham of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association recently shared a special evangelistic Christmas message and has written an Advent devotional. You can be inspired by the grandson of Billy Graham as he points to the Savior whose birth we celebrate during this season. Plus, Jennifer Hill has been baking a birthday cake for Jesus for a number of years since her children were very young. They're now in their teen years. In a recent conversation, she highlighted the purpose and a bit of the procedure, which involves correlating a Bible verse with each stage of baking for observing the Savior in this special way. And you'll be hearing from someone who has a long track record in music production, someone who has trusted in God and used his talent for him, even though he is visually impaired. You'll be hearing about the amazing story of Mark Doughty, the founder of the collaboration known as Worship 360. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, there has been quite a bit of focus on education as the result of COVID-19, and Jeff Johnston of Focus on the Family is encouraging parents to be very aware and responsive to material and worldviews in the classroom that contradict biblical values. You'll be able to hear his direction coming up. Plus, Mark Hancock of Trail Life USA is ahead. In the aftermath of a webinar for churches, co-sponsored with Focus, the Alliance Defending Freedom, and the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention, dealing with religious freedom, child safety, and gender, he highlighted the commitment of Trail Life to honor God in developing the character of boys. Finally, Christmas is a season of hope and gives believers an opportunity to shine the light of Christ. In some areas, churches have faced oppressive restrictions, including limits on singing. Media host Rose Tennant, known as Rose Unplugged, teamed up with Moms for America to host a Keep Christmas event in Washington, D.C. recently, featuring carol singing on the National Mall. Two days before it happened, I spoke with her, and you'll be hearing some of her comments. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Will Graham is Vice President and Associate Evangelist for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. His father is Franklin Graham, and his grandfather is the late Billy Graham. Like them, he possesses a heart to see people come into a saving knowledge of Christ, and during the Christmas season has offered an Advent devotional and an evangelistic Christmas message online. To explore the meaning of Christmas, here now is Will Graham. We printed it. Uh, we sell the printed version. If people want like a hard copy, it's a, I think you can get three for $15. Uh, but you can get a free online digital copy. <laughs> so you don't have to pay anything. If you want it in paper, we'll, we'll charge just a minimal fee for it. But uh, it's free. If you go online and just download the PDF version, it's free. And it's just something that we can... Uh, I wanted to talk to people about Christmas, especially the emotions of Christmas and the emotions of Christmas can be up and down, up and down, up and down. And, you know, we're excited to be with family, but then all of a sudden we're with family (laughs) and we're mad at each other. We get angry with each other. There's the pressure of Christmas is the pressure to COVID Christmas Mm. Um, and coming after an election. So that contested election. So there's just a lot of emotion going on. And I want to look at when we look at the emotions that are going on in their life, there's a lot of the same emotions going on at the first Christmas. Very similar. Sorry, I'm talking with my hands, but I'm used to talking with my hands. So That's all right. People saying, why does he keep talking with his hands? But I uh, <laughs> love talking with my hands. Very animated. 
But I want to look at the emotions that were going on at that first Christmas and how does that apply for us today? We don't want to miss Christmas and uh, we want to respond in the right emotion. And how can we do that this Christmas with all that's going on? I think this is a very important piece for people to read. Listen, they are very, very short devotionals. And um, I don't want to take up much of your time. And that's why I just made them real small and it's free. Just go to our website and uh, it's just a billygram.org forward slash advent. And you can get your free copy right there. There is a, a sense of uncertainty. There is a sense of, as you say, the, these things, each and every one of them can, can inspire emotion. When you have the combination, it really, it really intensifies things yeah but it was it does like you met you talk about uncertainty think about joseph yeah joseph is he's going to marry a woman that has a that she's pregnant it's not his child she says she's not been with any other man and uh and he wants to put her away secretly then an angel comes said no this one's a, a special child it's of the lord and uh and the and then god says you're going to marry her and I think about the uncertainty that's going in his mind. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? And matter of fact, Joseph's so right in his emotion that this is the same stuff that Jesus has to deal with later in his life. They say, well, we know that he's a son of a carpenter. You know, in other words, they're, they're mocking Jesus's birth 30 years yeah. later. They're yeah. mocking Jesus's birth. So these are the same emotions that Joseph had to go through. Mary, uh, Herod, uh, with fear and Fear is real, but Mary dealt with fear with faith. And we see that Herod dealt with fear by allowing it to consume him and destroy him. Mm. And ultimately, he took out revenge uh, against babies that protect his throne. We are a world right now that is in need of hope. And we certainly need to know that king of which you speak, that Messiah, the one who gave his life for us. And if you could just punctuate that as we conclude, please. Yeah, I appreciate it, Bob. And um, I see hope as one of those great things. It's a byproduct of our faith. Uh, It's a byproduct of believing that Jesus is the answer. That's how we get that hope. And that's what Jesus came for. Jesus saw the frailty of humanity. I mean, look at COVID. (laughs) COVID's got us all locked into our homes. We're scared to death of everything. And I think that's one thing that people are, are, they're scared right now. If there's one word that describes our country right now, our, our lives is faith. I mean, is, uh, is fear. Mm -hmm. And the, the way that we overcome fear is to have faith. Faith overcomes fear. Faith gives us peace and that peace produces hope. And when we have that peace in our life, when we have the Prince of Peace, that's one of the names of Jesus, because God is with us. That's another name of Jesus, Emmanuel. But when we look at the reason why Jesus came was to rescue humanity and to give us this peace, that even in all this uncertainty that we can have peace because he died on the cross for our sin, Mm -hmm. our junk, our mistakes, and he forgives us. That's how much love he has. Will Graham here on this edition of The Intersection. The Advent devotional is entitled In the Presence of the King, Five Devotions to Celebrate the Birth of the Messiah. It's available through billygraham.org front slash advent. Well, next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Jennifer Hill. She is the co-author, along with Mary Walker, of a book called The Best Birthday Cake in the History of Ever. 
In our conversation, she discussed her annual tradition of making a birthday cake for Jesus and how that forms the concept for the book. From that conversation, this is Jennifer Hill now. Well, I have a 19-year-old who's a freshman in college and a 14-year-old. And when the 19-year-old took off for school, it was COVID had been a major part of our lives, obviously, for close to an, a year. And we were home all together a lot. And I knew that several of my moms with younger children were coming up with activities. People had joined groups, what to do at home. Kids are bored. What are we gonna... <laughs> And I have done this activity that's in the book with my children their entire lives. My oldest was four and the youngest was one when we started it. And it all began at my mother-in-law's house. She, for Christmas Eve, had us over and um, said, hey, I want to I want to bake a cake. Uh, and basically, the cake is going to be a birthday cake for Jesus. And uh, that was, I thought, for sure, yes, I love that. Because we all struggle, I think, during Christmas time, especially when they're younger, to teach the true meaning of Christmas. Santa's so fun. And uh, I loved the idea. So we sat down, and she found this little activity that sort of, as you build the cake, you, you learn a little bit about Jesus. And uh, we learned, we read Luke 2. And as it progressed, the cake progressed, as the years progressed. And... Uh, <laughs> The steps then became tied to scripture and uh, each step of the cake basically taught a little bit more, but on a very understandable, you know, in a, in a way that anybody could understand why we celebrate Christmas and the life of Jesus. And I think I just knew someday I was going to sit down and make this a book that everyone could share or everyone could participate in. And uh, I am not a writer. I wrote a 3,500 word essay for Mary, which I asked her to come help me to write the book. I really did write that many because I had put every piece of description I could into it. And she actually, through her giftings, uh, helped me condense it down into a rhyming story that we have today. 3,500 words condensed into <laughs> roughly how many? <laughs> Say that again. Uh, 3,500 words condensed into roughly how many words now? <laughs> I, could be, I would say maybe a thousand, <laughs> maybe. And, and you've got and you've got an illustrator that has come alongside to to illustrate this book. So I guess that kind of provides a visual for for parents and their kids to actually follow along with and be inspired by, right? Absolutely. The, the illustrations are beautiful. This illustrator really is just a, a local artist in our hometown. And I, we contacted her and asked her if she would do a few of the pages just for us to see. And when she sent them back, and we had seen work from other illustrators, so much talent. It's, it, it is amazing how much talent is just in our little town. Um, but her, she read our minds. Everything she sent in was exactly how you know when you picture something and then somebody just masters it that's exactly what she did the whole way well let's talk about the the methodology here this is okay. more than just baking a cake and ha having a good fun activity and that there's nothing wrong with that baking a cake or christmas cookies or spending some time in the kitchen during the christmas season that's that's a wonderful family tradition you've actually taken this a step forward or a step further and you have as i understand it bible verses or biblical yes. concepts that are tied into 
each section of the baking process. I know right. that sounds really technical. So it is. Yeah, break yeah, it know, down. But it's really yeah, not. Yeah, break it down for us, if you would, please. Okay. Well, um, I'll just give you an example. Um, for ex- I'll just open it to any page. So this page, we're actually at the portion where we add candles to the cake. And so the page says lighting the candles was our final step. Matthew 5:16 explains this in depth. Let your light shine for all to see so everyone will know your faith in me. So it's every step of the cake is tied into scripture much like that. And then at the bottom of every page that we talk about scripture is the actual Bible verse um, from the children's Bible. And it is written down at the bottom with a little flag. Jennifer Hill here on this edition of The Intersection. The website address is historyofever.com. Next up, it's Mark Dowdy. He is a music producer, songwriter, and founder of Worship 360. In our recent conversation, he shared about how he overcame visual impairment and pursued a music career. He also talked about his pursuit of a relationship with Christ. He's written a book with his wife, Michelle, entitled Blind Faith, Believing is Seeing. From that conversation, this is Mark Dowdy now. I really, for a long time, did not really know what the... Um, the medical diagnosis was, or really what the root cause was, we went through, uh, my, I say we, my, my family and I, uh, my parents, we, uh, I had 13 eye operations by the time I was 10 years old to try to correct what they thought was just a, a case of, well, the corneas that I would have, I would do these cornea transplants, they, they would reject. Most of them before I would even leave the hospital in a couple of weeks. So went through that, um, had some other surgeries, kind of maintenance and surgeries as well. Um, but so I'll, all that from the time I was 10. Um, really, honestly, Bob, I just, at that point, my parents gave me the option to just kind of stop what I was doing. I just wanted to be a kid. I just wanted to, mm. because I was never one of these, these people that let life get in the way of, or, or the circumstance get in the way of, of just living life. And, um, and I just wanted to be a kid at 10 and just, you know, be with my buddies and play and experience life. So it wasn't until I was 37 years old that I I would say I kind of got restless a little bit. I, I wasn't, it wasn't like I needed something, you know, it wasn't like I was just thinking, okay, life is not all it can be, so I want to try to fill it up with, with maybe a new medical procedure. Uh, I was just sort of anxious to sort of see, okay, is there something new that's out there now in the the world of eye yeah. surgeries, and so that's kind of where the where the journey sort of started as far as the sight restoration. Tell me how you really learned to to trust God, even when discouragement might have set in. You know, I mean, that's it's funny because that, and it's a great question, but it's also probably for me a little bit difficult because I guess I just never knew any other any other way. <laughs> Good um, for you. You know, now because. It was just kind of like, you know, like I said, I mean, from, from the very first memories that I had, it's just like I knew that, that he was going to be there. And I knew that, that all now what I'm supposed to do is, and, and it's hard for us to do this sometimes, but I mean, what I'm supposed to do and what I tried to always do and I still do is just say, okay, what am I supposed to learn from adversity? What am I not, mm. not how is this going to stop me, but what am I supposed to learn from it and how can I adapt to it? And it, it felt like the Lord always gave me those opportunities to adapt and those, those 
times that maybe it was a person, maybe it was um, an opportunity, um, maybe it was adaptive equipment, maybe it was it was you know any other kind of thing, but there were always people and places and things and and in my in my path that would lead me to that next level of where I needed to be, and I have no doubt that those were put there by him, and um, just to say. I've got you, you know, just, just keep walking, keep, you know, for, for a visually impaired person or a, especially like a, a completely blind person. And I never was completely. Um, so I can't really speak to that one as much, but a lot of times the, the hardest thing for us to do with a visual impairment is to move forward. And I mean that physically because you don't know what's in front of you. And when you don't know what's in front of you, you know, you're, you're going to hesitate. You're going to take very small steps or if, if any steps until you have a guide. And I was always blessed to have people that wanted to be my guide when I needed one. Mm. And, and if we, if we put that in the spiritual, you know, God's got us and, and he's got us by the, in, in my case, he's, you know, I, I've got him by the arm and I've got him by the hand and, and, that's the relationship. Mark Dowdy here on The Intersection. You can find him online at worship360group.com. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. There's also a link to the podcast in the Media Center from the homepage. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you go to Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Now on this edition of The Intersection, it's Jeff Johnston, culture and policy analyst at Focus on the Family and writer for The Daily Citizen, which is a website of the ministry. In our conversation, he discussed the guide that Focus, along with Family Policy Alliance, are making available entitled Back to School for Parents, offering direction for parents regarding various types of material that students may encounter in schools. From that conversation, this is Jeff Johnston now. Some of what I do at Focus on the Family is write for The Daily Citizen, and that's our news outlet, which you can find at thedailycitizen.org. And as such, I write about a lot of issues related to sexuality, family, parenting, and education issues as well. And over the last few years, well, this goes back 20 years even, we've seen Um, some really bad things happening in the public schools, some really um, concerning issues, Um, children being taught radical ideologies, um, sex ed that teaches children as young as kindergarten that there are a multitude of genders and that that child might even change sexes. Um, We've watched in recent years 
as boys who believe they're girls have um, sued schools so that they go, can go into girls' locker rooms and restrooms and play on girls' sports teams. So we've seen all these concerning issues. And, and we get phone calls and emails and letters from parents. And our sister organization, Family Policy Alliance, gets those kind of emails as well from parents saying, what can we do about this? And so we've put together this comprehensive resource for parents that explains what some of the issues are and then what parents can do about it how they can be proactive in advocating for their children and protecting their children. One of the areas in which there's been great concern throughout the years by Christian parents has to do with school officials that are that have the ability to Say, for instance, I know you had the this, this situation involving questionnaires about sexuality, and you have those that perhaps are in a, a guidance counselor position in a school that could, quote-unquote, counsel. I'm saying that a lot, quote-unquote. It seems like that, you know, we, we've got the whole lexicon now of this, this uh, politically correct platform with respect to sexuality. But, but you've got, you know, counselors, for instance, or other school officials that might— that might direct a, a a student with respect to his or her gender or sexuality or or whatever, and this apparently can be done in schools without the parents even knowing about it. That doesn't sound right. Sure, sure, and it, and it's not right. Um, a lot of schools have health clinics. A lot of schools have counseling offices, and and typically what happens is at the beginning of the year. Uh, a parent will sign all these forms for school and they'll sign a waiver giving um, their child permission to use the health clinic or to go to the counseling office. And not always. I mean, I was a teacher. I know that um, uh, there are a lot of dedicated professionals. There are a lot of Christians in the public schools and in counseling offices. But in some cases, you get folks with a different agenda and they can steer kids the way that they want them to go. So you have health clinics that are taking young, that have taken young girls for abortions without their parents' knowledge and consent. Or you have a counseling office that might steer a child towards um, transitioning to become the opposite sex. There was a school district in Minnesota that helped a teenage boy get opposite sex hormones and get on the track towards surgeries without his parents knowing about it. And his mom began to fight this in the court system. And so we're trying to head off these things before they get to that place where you have to go to court for them. Um, we're also concerned about issues like religious freedom and free speech, where a lot of times school administrators and educator, educators are just uninformed about what can, kids can do with regard to their faith. They'll tell kids having a, a prayer club at lunch or a, a Bible study, no, you can't do that, when it's perfectly within their rights to do so. So in the resource, we lay out um, what the issue is, um, what are parents' rights, what are children's rights, and then how can you work to, prevent, to protect your children when you find these kinds of situations in public schools. That was Jeff Johnston from Focus on the Family. You can download that Parents' Guide free from thedailycitizen.org. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast with the CEO of a Christ-centered adventure organization for boys, Trail Life USA, Mark Hancock. He discussed with me some specific challenges that churches face concerning young people in a conversation following a webinar that Trail Life had offered along with Focus on the Family, Alliance Defending Freedom, and the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention. 
The topic areas were religious freedom, child safety, and gender. From that discussion, here now is Mark Hancock. We have to protect these kids. Now, you got to remember, Bob, we were forged in the fires of this cultural uh, upheaval. And so whereas Boy Scouts was a 105-year-old organization, <clears throat> we were formed, all of our, all of our founding uh, principles and everything were in this culture. So, so we have done everything that we can to, to, to be a vessel that survives in this, in this culture. So we consider ourselves as having the gold standard in child safety youth protection. And if our churches follow the policies that, that we have, which are reasonable and can, and, and can be done, there cannot be an abuse, abuse in, a, in, a, in a troop. It just can't happen if you, if you follow after the policies that we have out there. And also our, our adults, every adult in our, our organization is, is uh, background checked and child safety youth protection trained. And they also have a personal reference from a member of, of that church. You can't just go online and join Trail Life. You, you have to come in through a door, and that door is that local troop, and people know you personally. And then the background check and the training and all that happens after that. <clears throat> and then you also commit to following the policies, the protection policies that we put in place. So there's no organization that's, that's going to be perfect because there's bad people out there. Um, but we do everything we can uh, to keep boys safe. We think that they're, they're a treasure. And, they're, and we think they're severely undervalued in our society today. It's like boyhood is some kind of social disease that needs to be eradicated. We think boys are great, and we think boys and girls are different. We think boys mm. need an organization that recognizes uh, their qualities, their strengths, the, the, the uniqueness, as much as girls have, have strengths, and, the, and they're unique. But uh, you, nobody's focusing on boys. You know, I, I think of them kind of as a canary in, in the coal mine. You know, in the older days, they put those canaries in there, and when the canaries stopped singing, you knew that there were some noxious fumes in there. And when they died, you were sure. Well, boys are kind of paying a price in our culture today for, for the things that we're doing in our culture, the changes that we've gone through in the last generation or so. And, and, and they're failing miserably. They're twice as likely to be special education, three times more likely to be ADHD. They have fallen behind girls in every single academic category, a suicide, drug abuse, mowing them down, depression, and, and numbers that would just, would just make your head spin. And boys are really undervalued in our society today, and all the focus has been on girls, which is great. Girls needed to be lifted up and encouraged. But you don't see promotional campaigns to boys saying, hey, you can be all you can be. Go out there and be strong and be brave. And be. You don't see that, but you see, you see that for girls all the time. We're encouraging girls to be brave and do something courageous, and we're rewarding them for doing things for the first time. But boys are kind of painted with this broad, toxic, masculine brush. And, and, and their activity and their energy and their creativity and their, their desire for risk and competition is, is really criticized in our culture rather than uh, shaped and directed and empowered. You know, when you look at our society, a lot of the good things that have come out in the last, gener in the last number of generations is because of strong and winning and focused men who set their goals and, and did something difficult and went beyond the boundaries and took risks. And, and we're working that out of boys. So in Trail F USA, we're bringing, we're bringing that back. We are unapologetically Christian, and we are boy-focused. We think that, that boys need their own organization that's aimed at their strengths. So we understand all those things, and we're designing a program that's safe. We're designing a program that keeps boys safe and puts them in an environment where, where masculinity, uh, proper masculinity uh, is, is, is celebrated. And, um, and we think that that keeps our, our boundaries strong. Uh, we think that that keeps, keeps boys safer than, than putting them kind of in this uh, uh, bowed over, uh, be ashamed of yourself posture. 
and um, because it, it, we're encouraging boys to stand up for who it is that they are and not give in to, to temptation or not give in to, to people who are, uh, who are trying to, to abuse them or lead them down the wrong path. So on a number of different approaches, uh, uh, approaches we're, we're, we're dealing with a subject and making boys strong, capable yeah. um, to, to, to stand up for themselves when they need to. Mark Hancock here on The Intersection. The organization's website is traillifeusa.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, media host Rose Tennant, also known as Rose Unplugged, discussed with me the Keep Christmas event sponsored by Moms for America featuring carol singing and speakers on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. on December 13th. She serves on the Moms for America Advisory Board. From that conversation, here is Rose Tennant. You know, this is kind of fun because I do serve on the advisory board of Moms for America. and I love Moms for America. America, because Kimberly Fletcher has a great uh, vision for the country, for mothers in the uh, in the country. She wants to create this movement of moms that who care about the the republic, care about the constitution. She wants to help them promote principles of liberty to their family, to their children, so that we're raising up a whole other generation of people who understand how important our constitution is and our republic. Now getting to the point of COVID and restrictions and so forth, um, I had called Kimberly one day and said, you know, I really have this dream of doing this national caroling thing and, Hmm. you know, like just like focus on Christmas and Kimberly being Kimberly took it and ran with it. (laughs) So um, we've been collaborating on this effort and I think it's going to be really nice. I mean, we have some really great speakers. Um, I'll be speaking, Kimberly will be speaking, but also Congressman Andy Biggs, Congressman Mike Kelly, Mike Lindell, Pastor Brian Gibson, and guess what, Bob? We're going to be singing carols as well. It's going to be a beautiful event to celebrate Christmas because we are being restricted from doing so all over the country. I live in Pennsylvania, and I'm going to tell you something. Even though right now I'm headed towards uh, to Washington, D.C., we just had another oppressive, tyrannical mandate put on this state. Restaurants now cannot be open until January 4th. They can do takeout. Now, this is a time where family comes in, friends come in. You want to go out and celebrate together and, 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 um, and, and just spend time together with those that you care about. You can't do it in a restaurant. And those restaurant employees now and the owners of those restaurants will suffer greatly at a time where they would ordinarily be doing their best business. This is an outrage. And this is what we're tired of. They are, they're stealing not only... Um, our ability to make money, which is very important, um, but also our ability to celebrate very important holidays. When you think about it, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, these are, these are times of, of giving thanks to God, you know, at Thanksgiving for this wonderful nation and at Christmas for the child that he gave us who was our Savior, who is our Savior. And um, so we, we, we object to all of that. So the Keep Christmas Rally celebration on Sunday, it starts at 11 o'clock. And um, we're going to be at the National Mall. And it's after all the other patriotic events that are happening. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a time for us to um, get together, sing Christmas carols, and just say, hey, you know what? We're still here. We still recognize the reason for the season. And you can't stop us. It's a peaceful protest. When you look at the overall message as the, the speaker lineup goes to the podium, what do you want the culture at large to see from, from this rally? 
you know, I think that I just want them to, you know, you know, it's interesting because you talked about how they've, um, you know, some of the governors in some of these states have kept us from even singing in church. You know, singing is very powerful. We have a yes. whole book of Psalms where yeah. David sang to the Lord. Um, it's very powerful in our uh, Christian walk. It's powerful in our witness and to to silence us. Um, so for me, it was something that I really wanted to do, especially the caroling part of this, the aspect of singing together, I thought would be very powerful. But, you know, um, the whole weekend is a very patriotic weekend. And um, so I want to encourage everyone to go to keepchristmas.org or um, also um, you can check out momsforamerica.us. But right now, if you want more information on the Keep Christmas celebration that we're doing on Sunday, it's keepchristmas.org. Rose Tennant here on The Intersection. The Moms for America website is momsforamerica.us. You can find Rose at roseunplugged.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. The website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit... Or you, can visit the pro- or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. There's a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. You can also find a link to The Intersection podcast through that homepage. It's found in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. Merry Christmas to you. I'm Bob Crittenden.